Welcome to Starting Points, a podcast from Faith on Hill Church. Starting Points is designed to be an overview of the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, including all the major sections of the Bible. It's for people who are reading the Bible for the very first time or people who want to come at their Bible study with fresh perspective. Today we will be looking at the book of Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah used to be one book of the Bible. Later on, they were divided into two books, Ezra and Nehemiah. And the thinking at the time was that they were told from two different authors. And and I believe that's true, that Ezra wrote the book of Ezra. And then partway through, it then says, these are the words of Nehemiah. And so they collaborated together, and these two books were, were considered one, Ezra and Nehemiah. But then later on, they divided them by author. I don't think that's particularly right or particularly wrong. Um, Personally, I probably would have kept them together. And modern scholars tend to do that. Um, Scholars, both of all different persuasions when it comes to the Bible, refer to Ezra and Nehemiah as one book. Most Bible commentaries now increasingly are uh, Bible commentaries. They'll treat them as one book. Uh, I don't have a problem with that one way or the other, Um, but if you start to see, and increasingly you'll see Bible commentary scholars refer to it as Ezra hyphen Nehemiah, and if you're like, well, why aren't those two different books of the Bible? That's why, because originally they were not. Now, what happens is that the story of the two books covers uh, one kind of event in three cycles. It takes place at the end of the Babylonian captivity and covers three cycles, the rebuilding of the temple, the purifying of the people, and the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem. And of course, Ezra deals with the first two cycles. Nehemiah deals with the third cycle. Now, it is an incredibly human story. It's the, it's the final two books of the historical record of the people of Israel in the Hebrew Scriptures. And a historical record is going to be nothing but a human story. God uses different people for different things. Ezra and Nehemiah have similar but different missions at similar but different times. Um, You know, Ezra comes back from Babylon and he starts to rebuild the temple. Years later, Nehemiah comes back from Babylon and begins to rebuild the wall of the city. And, and they are sent at, at different times, you know, even though they're contemporary, there's, there's a few years between them. They have similar missions, but they're different. Similar callings, but they're different. In similar times, but not quite the same. Then there's also characters like Zerubbabel and Joshua. Uh, one is the governor, so a political figure. One is a high priest, and they have different roles to play, and they're important in those roles. And Ezra and Nehemiah and, and support them, and they support Ezra and Nehemiah. The prophets Haggai and Zechariah wrote their books during this time and had a prophetic ministry. Uh, in the book of Ezra, we see that both of them are prophesying to the people. What's interesting to me about that is in our day and age, one of the one of the downsides that has existed in the church is that we have kind of created a system in the American church where there will be a big personality who doesn't seem to have a lot of room for other big personalities. And yet what's happening here is that each person in, in the leadership in Jerusalem has a different role to play, but they're all supporting each other. Just like the early Christians, the first church, they had 
the apostles together in Jerusalem, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Levi, you know, these guys, they're together. And when they got back together, after they've all spread out, and then they come back together for the council of Jerusalem in the book of Acts, there they are submitting to one another, listening to one another, praying with one another. That's a model for the church to follow today. That there are churches that have nothing to do with any other church locally. That's a shameful thing. And the model that we see here is for leaders and and servants of God to recognize each other's calling, to rejoice in each other's calling, to support each other's calling, and to recognize that no one is better or, or lesser than anyone else because we're called to different things. Now, Ezra 8 deals with these kind of comparisons. You know, Ezra travels to Jerusalem from uh, Babylon with no guard. He, he considers it a thing he has to do. He has to go without a guard. And then some years later, when Nehemiah makes the journey, he travels with ample guards. Like there's plenty of security for when he travels. And this kind of comparison thing gets brought up in Ezra and Nehemiah. And we see these, these differences where, you know, Ezra felt really specifically led to do something one way. And that can happen between generations, where one generation will feel specifically called to do something a certain way, and another generation comes along and says, you know what, I don't feel like that's what we have to do. There are things that are clear and cut that every Christian should do, every Christian must do. We must believe in faith in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We must... uh, in obedience to God, be baptized and, and, and wherever possible, take communion and gather in Christian community. These are universal things. But do you gather in one building or do you gather in a house? Do you gather in several small groups or one large group? How do you worship? What kind of music do you use? What kind of liturgy? These are things that we can have just total different takes on and different callings to and shouldn't judge each other for. And, and we see that where we try to make comparison. Well, well, this generation did it differently. Can't you see some young, hot-headed so-and-so going to Nehemiah? Well, Ezra did it without guards. Those comparisons are terrible. They're just killers. The model that we see of them working together in their different callings and strengths and giftings, I think that's the one to embrace. Ezra 9 deals with confession and repentance. That's an incredibly human story. For us to say, hey, I've, I've done this. And not just to admit our wrong, but to repent, to change, to go the other way. And it's both individual. We, I've done this personally and communally. Ezra repents for sins that he hasn't done. When he comes from the outside and he sees the spiritual state, which was not good, in Jerusalem of the people, he, he repents with them. And we have this hard time as Americans, because we're very individualistic, understanding communal connection and repentance, but these are very biblical concepts. We just don't like them because we're Americans. And then Ezra 10 deals with casting out sin, getting rid of the things that are bringing us away from God. It's also one of the big landmines. We ask this question in this podcast a lot. What are the landmines? What are the things that are going to be like, ooh, what's going on there? Ezra 10 is that. It is one of the hardest parts of the Bible for us to process. It's hard for us to process as Americans. It's hard for us to process in modern times versus ancient times. It's hard for us to process as Christians who live in the new covenant of grace because they were still under the old covenant of the law. In Ezra 10, Ezra finds out that their people had not kept God's ways. And one of the ways in which they had not was that they had married foreigners. This is not a prohibition against interracial marriage. 
I myself am part of an interracial marriage. Um, I, I saw recently some knucklehead somewhere down south that said that any pastor who is uh, in an interracial marriage or who would perform an interracial marriage was disqualified from being a pastor. And I said, well, I'm happy to be disqualified in his eyes. A friend of mine told me about it, and I said, well, you know, that's all right. He can think that about me. That's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is they had, um, they had taken up with, with people who worshipped idols, who did not keep the ways of God, who had no interest in keeping the ways of God. There were ways for foreigners to enter into the people of God. Rahab became part of the people of God. Ruth, there's a whole book of the Bible about her. She, she was from another land. She was not born Jewish. She was not born among the people of God, and yet she entered in. And not only entered in, but both Rahab and Ruth became ancestors of Jesus. It wasn't about that. There was a refusal to convert, a refusal to change their ways, a refusal to live in the ways of God. And so as the nation was being reestablished as the people were emerging out of their captivity, the captivity that had happened because they had rebelled against God. They said, we will not have this and we will cast out all who, were, who shouldn't be here. This is a hard one for us to process. What do we do with this as New Testament, New Covenant believers? See, there was a covenant that God made with Abraham. And there was a covenant that God made with the people through Moses. I will be your God. You will be my people. If you do this, I will do this. If you don't do this, then this judgment will come upon you. But now we live in this new covenant of grace and mercy. And we live under the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So how do we handle this sort of thing? The apostle Peter said this. If somebody is in the church, is a believer, and is married to an unbeliever, and that unbeliever is willing to continue living with them, then that marriage is holy. But if the unbeliever says, I, you know what, I don't want any part of this, I'm going to leave you now, then, then that believer is at no fault in the divorce. What we're saying is, is that um, there are, in, in the new covenant, we would not necessarily handle things this way. But what we are saying is, is that in the new covenant where we could say, like, here's where I would take from this, is... I have friends who are non-believers, and I, I'm thankful for those friendships, but there have been times where friendships have been cut off because it will not bring me closer to God to be hanging around them you know, in, in, in regular contact. And there are situations, there are things that do need to be cut off, that do need to be gotten rid of, that do need to be cast out. Um, and so as, as new covenant believers, we live in the grace of God. We don't think that somebody should, should send their wife and child away, but we do believe that people uh, should cast out the things that lead to sin. You know, Jesus said, if, you're, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You know, if your left eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. What he's, what he's saying is, is cut out the things that are causing sin the things that are leading you astray, the things that are bringing you down. Where is Jesus in all of this? Jesus is our redeemer. He's our purifier. The same temple that they're rebuilding, Jesus is going to later cleanse himself and he will redeem his people. And we live in, the people in, in Jerusalem, when Ezra got there, 
were living in, in brokenness. And Ezra and Nehemiah and the others were part of God's plan to bring his people back into a place of health, healing, and wholeness. And in this world today, there are people who should know better, people who profess faith, people who grew up in the church, people who claim the name of Jesus, who are living in brokenness. You know, they're on their, they're on their third marriage and the, the one they're with now isn't even their spouse. They're, you know, there's substance abuse, there's, there's addiction, there's pornography, there's whatever. And these brokennesses exist and Jesus wants to cleanse his people. He wants to cast out the racism that's been okay in the church for far too long. He wants to cast out the immorality that's been okay in the church for far too long. He wants to cast out and replace with love and grace and power from him. And there we see Jesus, just as God was working in Ezra's day, Jesus is working in our day. I want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of the Starting Points podcast. Just like the book of Ezra itself. When we talk about these landmines, they are things that make us react and bump. And if there was something I said that was like, hey, we need to talk more about that, my email is adam at faithonhill.com. Part of the, the idea of living in a church family, a church community, is that I don't just, as the pastor, tell you what to think, but, but I, as best I can, I bring the word of God, and then we talk about it together in small groups, in discussion, on Sunday morning after church, whatever love to keep talking about these things as we continue our study of God's word and saying, God, you've said this. Teach us to live in it. We'll see you next time for the Starting Points Podcast.